passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. It's January 29th. I am John Pollock alongside Waiting, where the last month uh, was experienced over the past seven days. How are you, Way? Doing all right, John. Oh, never mind. Not doing that. I was asking Way, not the theme, how they're doing. Man, I just, let's start this whole, whole, whole thing over. You mean just entirely like life? The whole month started off really. so we redo. Can't. Okay, we'll we'll upset too many people. This is part of the the gold. But in case you're gonna edit this, welcome everybody to Rewind a Raw. I am John Pollock with Waiting. How are you, Way? I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. No, a, you're not. You're yeah, exhausted, man. No, dude, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing great. Was it, wasn't today a significant day? Was this a uh, back to work day? Oh yes, yes it was. Yeah, my my wife went back to work actually. Yeah, so uh, after mat- maternity leave, so we're very lucky in Canada to have a, an extended maternity leave, and uh, she went back to work, which meant a big change here. But honestly, it wasn't so bad. We thankfully have the help of her mother. So um, in some ways, like I actually had a bit more free time than usual. Oh, um, okay. So yeah, I'm it, this thing whole thing might really work out. So. Well, you had so much free time. <laughs> that you starred in a music video, your first that I am aware of. And can you please, I mean, above all else, I want to hear about this video, where people can maybe go watch it and how you were contacted for this. What was your rate? I, uh, yeah. So uh, over the weekend, um, I I was in, involved at at least in the premiere of the Hallucinations new video Tree of Woe, starring our very own Damien Abraham. I say our very own as if like you know we we've we, adopted him. He's he's part of the extended family. <laughs> our very own very good friend Damien Abraham, and uh, he contacted me and asked me if I wanted to play uh, an interviewer. Uh, you know, we've we've talked to Damien on the Christmas show about this project he's got going on with the Hallucination, who are this like Juno Award winning electronic music group um, uh, from from Canada. And, you know, um, he did vocals for this track of theirs. And I think they have this um, they have like this sort of wrestling theme going on for a, a new EP that they they call a path uh, of the heel. And of course, Tree of Woe, very much a wrestling influence. So uh, a privilege to be a part of this. You could find it at the Hallucination, two words, Hallucination, 
Nation uh, at, uh, at their YouTube uh, channel. So check that out and check out my music video debut. Look at this. A, a, a star is waiting in the in this video. So check that out. Uh, Way's got it. Uh, I also retweeted it as well. So check it out. Tree of Woe. Um, I like the song, honestly. Like I listened to it. I'm like, this is like it's a uh, banger. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is. Uh-huh. I don't Daniel, have any other descriptive. Daniel Makabe makes a cam- cameo in this one as well. That's right. He does as well. So I mean some uh re- wrestling royalty featured uh, in oh, here. I am the best. I mean, I know that my uh my phone has been missing certain messages that have been sent, and obviously this was a uh, an invite that must have uh, gone to my junk mail because I was not <laughs> uh asked for I assure you if if this happens again, you uh, I have been assured actually no, that no. there is a spot for John Pollock. Yes. No, I, I I would rather be just the 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 casual observer for the hallucination uh, out there. I Maybe you'll even guess on the track, you know. Maybe bring back your your other alter ego. Man, me me and Damien doing a duet would that not be? I My mean, dream. if Damien wants to be a two time Polaris Prize winner, he knows who to hit up, right? Well, I'll just say we've invited Damien on into our little world plenty of times over the past decade. It's never reciprocated. To- Never. Time for him to return the favor, really. Yes. Okay. He's furiously texting me probably as as, as we speak once he listens to this on Tuesday. Okay. Let's get into the show. There's quite a lot to get to. We will be getting into Raw. I want to thank everybody that has uh, checked out the the shows over the last uh, couple of days. A lot of great stuff up on the site, if I do say so myself. We have uh, from Saturday night, our Royal Rumble review, but a much more um, focused discussion on all the fallout involving the Vince McMahon lawsuit, how it was handled by the WWE over the weekend, the the pulling by Slim Jim of their sponsorship, and then jumping back on board after Vince's resignation, as well as Brandon Thurston, who was at the press conference, uh, joining us late on Saturday night to uh, give us his thoughts about the, the press conference and a lot of the uh, the details as well. So that is all up there. Also want to encourage people, if they have not checked out Collision Course, really great discussion from John Cena, who was at the Royal Rumble, and Kate from Montreal, who I, I thought both of them had a really great uh, chat as they do every week, but in particular, the first 20 minutes of the show uh, going over, you know, the uh, the the unavoidable uh, story, which is the Vince McMahon lawsuit. So those are just uh, a couple of the shows that are coming up and we will tee up what is coming up later this week on the site. Are you ready, Way? Do it. Well, we are going to start with uh, the latest that is going on in regards to the Vince McMahon case. Uh, I did write a pretty lengthy story that is up on the site today. If people want to look at that, not just from the perspective of some of the reaction and subject matter as it pertains to this lawsuit, but really tracing things back to a lot of the incidents over the years of things that Vince McMahon has been accused of going back to Rita Chatterton and following up with incidents in 2006 with the the Tanzibar salon, then another incident that came out in 2022 from the Wall Street Journal about another incident with a spa manager in 2011, sort of piecing all this together and the questions that are now going to be asked of where, what the next steps are. Yes, we have this civil case, but as we've mentioned many times, when there was a, a search warrant last July um, the potential of of an indictment that that could come come down if you know th- there, there's many questions uh, that still come from this that I, I think this is going to be a lot of the attention and 
we spoke about the pressure being felt from sponsors over the weekend. Well, today we saw at least some reaction when it came to uh, the stock. And while it has not taken a gigantic decline, it has seen a bit of a hit over the last number of days. So today the stock was down just over 4% after opening at $85. It's down to $82.73. Now, if you compare this um, over the past five days from that that big bump they got from the Netflix and Dwayne Johnson announcement, uh, they are down 13% since that that big jump last Tuesday. And this comes after several uh, notes. First of all, from uh, Deadline, um, they wrote here that Wall Street analyst Robert Fishman of research firm Moffat Nathanson issued a report on Monday initiating coverage of TKO with a rating of neutral on its shares. Vince McMahon, Fishman noted, made the WWE what it is today, leading it both in and out of the ring for decades and taking it from fringe regional attraction to global media power. He is also TKO's largest individual shareholder, and Fishman sees the lawsuit posing, quote, incremental brand and legal risks to TKO. He says his long-term intentions with his economic interest in TKO must be a consideration as a shareholder, Fishman wrote. McMahon's need to mount a legal defense could mean tapping more equity. Continued chunk sales by McMahon could put downward pressure on the TKO stock. So essentially what he is stating is what we saw when McMahon sold those 8.4 million shares. And that did affect the stock when you saw such a large volume sold by Vince McMahon. And if he does need to um, uh, liquefy some of his you know assets here for a defense and he's unloading more stock, um, that could uh, that could affect things as well. The company also has acknowledged the potential liability it incurred by choosing to welcome back McMahon, who stepped down as WWE's chairman and CEO after the prior payouts to women were disclosed. His status as a TKO board member could have adverse financial and operational impacts on our business. The company warned in an SEC filing last fall. Mr. McMahon's membership on our board could expose us to negative publicity. The filing continued and may result in additional scrutiny or otherwise exacerbate the other risks described herein. Any of these outcomes could directly or indirectly have adverse financial and operational impacts on our business. And so there is the the logic outlined here by Moffat Nathanson about maybe the the short term of you know Vince McMahon continuing to um, divest his stock. I would almost look at it from the other side of if there is going to, like the fact that Vince McMahon still has. 11.6% roughly percentage of TKO stock. If that is a bit of an albatross around TKO, that this man still has this financial um, attachment to the company, that he is still profiting off of this company. And you like, yes, he has been stripped of his title and duties, but is still its largest shareholder. Like what, it, what, what problems could that pose as this continues to go forward? And you could always see a settlement with this civil case. That has to be an option. But the further things go, and if we are getting to a discovery process, this is only going to get uglier way. And this guy being attached here, like what impact is that going to have on TKO? So the, the stock becomes a very interesting question about what TKO's strategy is involving still their their largest shareholder. Right, certainly. Um I, I guess um, beyond him, beyond Vizrakman being forced to sell all of his shares, does TKO have any responsibility in um, at least um, 
I don't know, um, answering for Vince McMahon simply with him as a shareholder. I'm not talking about answering for his past, which I think they they do have to you know be responsible for now that they're the owners of, of WWE. But strictly with him being as a large um, sort of a you know percentage shareholder, um, what sort of liabilities does that present TKO uh, versus I guess you know um, the liability of him selling the shares being the, the, what seems like the principal concern here. Yeah, I, I'd really need to rely on someone with better expertise on what they would be looking at in in, in that sense. But um, like WWE, they are also defendants in this case on, on top mm-hmm. of it. So you're in the case where it it is not as though they don't have uh, an attachment with this case. They are defendants in this case. And of course, with the four unnamed executives in this lawsuit as well, like they are they are part and parcel with with this case on top of it. Uh, no. but, but when we're strictly ta- talking about like, are you suggesting maybe like a moral concern of of um, people, you know, investing in TKO because it, it might benefit a Vince McMahon? I'm not. I, I don't, if it began and ended there, I would not think that there would be that kind of a reflection. But there's none. With, I don't think so. Look at the, the reaction to the stock like on the day that this all of this was announced. Right. But at the same time. I mean, as this case continues and I mean, have have you been watching a lot of like the coverage of this? Like it is people are like this is like mainstream news and people that are like constantly covering some of the like worst stuff imaginable. They are repulsed. They are repulsed. Like people cannot even repeat what is in this lawsuit. And it's just the idea of what effect this could have on TKO's business when they are courting different sponsorships and like where it could affect business. Yes. A slim Jim jumped back on, but as we are, if you are a major brand out there, um, like if you were in the midst of your, like, let's say this had broken two months ago and you're shopping the raw rights, like Mm -hmm. is Netflix thinking twice about jumping into bed, even with a resignation with a Vince McMahon, like Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that that's not going to be a deterrent to, uh, companies but are they thinking twice when th- this is even with his detachment now from the company like they are still going to be in the coverage of all of this they are still defendants and there are enough people that are looking at this as much more than just Vince McMahon solely and looking at the company under a microscope well I can imagine certainly um, uh, a Netflix or a Dwayne Johnson being happy you know that uh, about the timing of all of this but whether or not I think it'll affect TKO and WWE long term I think remains to be seen it depends on how much of a story this continues to be months down the line does it have the legs? I mean, Vince has gone through, I think, a lot of um, high publicity sort of, um, you know, coverage before and seems to have weathered almost everything. Um, this time, I don't think he'll come back to the company, but can TKO weather the storm? I feel like with enough time, everything blows over, unfortunately. Michael McCann at Sportico, he is a, a senior sports legal expert, and he he wrote an article sort of looking at like the business side and just a, a few excerpts from this. Uh, McMahon flatly denies Grant's allegations. He says her lawsuit is replete with lies, obscene made up instances that never occurred and is a vindictive distortion of the truth. Uh, as Sportico explained, enforceability, enforceability of an NDA and accompanying mandatory arbitration clause will likely surface as key defenses. In a best case scenario for the defendants, U.S. District Judge Jeffrey Mayer 
will dismiss Grant's complaint to arbitration, which would be conducted in private and outside of journalists' reach. So that could be one ruling. That would be the most beneficial to Vince McMahon, where this would be uh, dismissed and would be conduct- conducted essentially behind closed doors in arbitration. Can you repeat but, that one more time? Just just maybe in, in, uh, in, the, uh, in, in a best-case scenario for the defendants, U.S. District Judge Jeffrey Mayer will dismiss Grant's complaint to arbitration and would be conducted in private and outside of journalists' reach. Okay. And why would they d- dismiss? That would be, I mean, just for the belief that this does not, this is not enough to stand trial. Um, mm-hmm. That that would be, okay. you know, his, his legal ruling on that. Uh, it goes on to state, but if Grant's lawsuit advances, pre-trial discovery could expose WWE leaders and former leaders to damaging revelations via testimony and publication of old emails and texts. If even some of Grant's historical retelling is accurate, it would suggest McMahon felt empowered by WWE to treat her and perhaps other women in degrading and abusive ways without worry of ever being held accountable. Like other companies, WWE has workplace policies that prohibit sexual and other forms of harassment and demand employees treat each other with respect. A typical employee who acted like the McMahon depicted by Grant would have been fired years earlier and never brought back. Stockholders could demand to know about the enforcement of WWE workplace rules for the boss and his inner circle. Uh, So um, Michael McCann is uh, actually going to be joining Brandon and I this Wednesday. So we're going to look at this uh, as well, sort of from the legal aspect and maybe uh, flesh out a couple of these scenarios and sort of what is going to be looked at. Um, And listen, there there's always in the cases of this, like it's, it sounds very callous, but when we were talking about um, th- this case here, it is ultimately about money. Like that is mm-hmm. what is at the end of this. This is a absolutely horrible process for a victim to go through. And so when when there is a figure that could make, I wouldn't even say all of this go away, but looking at potentially like the next two years of your life of these headlines of this scrutiny um, and it can go away. You can understand how that is, that is an exit strategy for some that don't want to go through this. And I would think on the defense side, um, discovery is the last thing they want to undergo in this, in this whole thing of what could be uncovered when we just saw a sample of some of the evidence that could be there. Sure. Um, Does it perhaps, give you any sort of indication about whether or not others who may have signed NDAs may come forward or would it not really incentivize them or what they, I guess, uh, you know, outlined in, in the uh, lawsuit are five different reasons why NDAs might not be valid at this point. Well, that's the, the key yeah. is that if, if these NDAs can be ruled invalid, there's nothing stopping anyone else from coming forward. I would suggest what would stop other people from coming forward would be maybe the protection of their own identities. Well, and- of course, if they were w- willing to. And it's mm-hmm. a great point because, you know, I like look like I am not out there seeking uh, people's commentary about Janelle Grant. But I can imagine there is some horrendous stuff being written about her. And I'm sure that if you are someone that is attached to this NDA, I mean, that's part of the reason is that you do not want to be. Uh, attached to some of this and Mm -hmm. what comes with that kind of spotlight on on top of it but if they were willing to like that is a a part of the these ndas as well that could be unenforceable and 
if someone wanted to come forward, there might not be anything preventing them either. So that is the latest um, today on the Vince McMahon case. It's going to continue. And I mean, there was really tonight, tonight's edition of, of raw. It was basically a show that had um, like nothing you could in, infer in terms of like this, this shadow over, over the company or anything resembling that. I mean, at most you could be digging at, you know, what, what Cody was, was hinting at in terms of uh, going into the rumble. And um, there was, you know, he was re- referring to like s- some bad news or s- something to that degree. He, he said something to the effect of um, you have no idea what your response on Saturday meant to me, like in that moment, as if to suggest that there was something very personal going on with him. I don't think he was referring anything about this and judging by how I think the company reacted when directly pressed about this issue. There's no possible way. I would expect them to even hint at anything no. involving this what, what Cody said here, just as I have my notes, is that all of us need an escape and we need an escape sometimes too. The last 48 hours have been very challenging and I needed all you people on Saturday and was grateful for you. But um, the, the way it was delivered, I too took it as probably something personal. I'm just stating that if you wanted to read into something, that would be probably the the closest indication of everyone wanting an escape. If you If you wanted to look into it, sure. Okay. Wait, it's not uh, buying. I mean, I, I don't know. I have no, I can't say one way or another. The other key news today involves CM Punk, who has suffered a torn right triceps, and he is uh, going to be out for a long time. It looks like his surgery will be required. This is going to be the second time he has torn his triceps, but this is the different arm than the one that he tore in the John Moxley match at All Out a couple of years ago. Uh, this happened in the Royal Rumble. Uh, many people were noting that after the Future Shock DDT that he was favoring the arm and apparently rolled to one of the referees uh, to communicate. And yeah, this was uh, sort of uh, being speculated upon. And then today it was first reported by Dave Meltzer that he had a significant injury sustained at the Rumble. People were speculating it was the triceps. And then Mike Johnson confirmed it was the triceps. And it's, you know, he's going to need surgery. And made it pretty clear here. This is not going to be this. This was not the Seth Rollins speech from last week that he was going to hint that he wouldn't make it to Mania. No, he is not going to make it to WrestleMania. And this is awful. It's just an awful injury at an awful time. And I just like this guy has had just the roughest of luck when it comes to injuries over the last two years when it comes to the broken foot, two torn triceps. And from a mental standpoint to be facing another it took him nine months last time to come back from the torn triceps. And, you know, he is, you know, he's 45 years old and dude rehab sucks and mm-hmm. he's going through it all over again. I just, I just think it's, it's just terrible for him who was just on this roll since coming back to the yeah. company. Totally. Yeah. Um, I, so injuries are never a good thing in pro wrestling, but when you're a beloved baby face, I think they're at least salvageable, you know, and I think much like Rollins last week, maybe much like Cody from two years ago, um, you can make something out of a bad situation. And I think that's what Punk did tonight. We'll we'll cover perhaps, you know, the promo later on. But um, he, to me, was able to cut an excellent promo about his comeback. And I thought it ended up 
like successfully sort of chaptering this first run of his WWE comeback as one where he's a very solid baby face. I think he earned enough sort of like um, clout with, with the office and, and with the audience to set himself up for a major, major comeback, like a WrestleMania main event level comeback. Yeah. I mean, it'll be, you know, if, if we're looking at in the ballpark of, of nine months, I mean, it'll be 46 in October. Um, You know, mm-hmm. so this is, you know, at, at that point, it is it does become that that question of how how hard you can go with him in in that top uh, high of a role coming back. Yeah, well, that that's sort of the other maybe talking point coming out of this injury, right? I mean, um, I don't think it's it, it's sort of um, rude to suggest that this man might be injury prone. You know, at this point, I mean, he's gone through several like tough matches throughout his AEW run, escaping injury. I, I suppose it's it's probably not a great look um, for maybe people who might be suggesting that Punk is injury prone to have him actually be injured the first match. Granted, it was a very long match, you know, and, and he had to do a whole lot. Uh, but still, is he, is he a guy you could depend on, you know, for a, a major title run? I would suggest that I don't think it matters because he's so over and you can craft any sort of run you want out of a CM Punk as long as you can build to those major title matches, which I think the crowd are still the crowds are still very interested in seeing. Um, but it does maybe, you know, put into question his per, perhaps, you know, um, longevity, um, you know, doing this at a full time basis. We'll get into more of this uh, during the, the the raw review because that was the the major news coming out of the show. Brock Lesnar obviously was not at the Royal Rumble on Saturday night, and we were able to to learn about his uh, original plans. What was being set up for Brock Lesnar? He was to be at the Royal Rumble on Saturday, and then he was set. It sounds like Braun Breaker was just put in his spot, complete with uh, Dominic Mysterio eliminating Braun Breaker as the initial plan had been for Brock Lesnar to wrestle Dominic at Elimination Chamber in Australia, and then it would seem that the roads would lead to WrestleMania with a match with Gunther. So now Brock Lesnar is out, and it becomes, is Braun Breaker, uh, did he just assume the Brock role in the Rumble, and we're going to go a different way on television? Is he going to do, he was still eliminated by Dominic. You could still do that, although there was, not only no hint of that on Monday, but Braun Breaker, it sounds like, is at least this week, um, they're teasing him being on SmackDown with Nick Aldis. So we will see what happens with uh, Braun Breaker. And on top of things, um, with, with the CM Punk injury, how much of a domino effect does that create for your WrestleMania card? Because now you need to make new plans for one of your top guys in Seth Rollins. And tons of stuff could be impacted by that and Gunther being earmarked for a Braun Breaker could have been uh, like we don't even know what Braun Breaker's uh, trajectory was like this was um, you know just being thrown into the spot and continuing but um, that that's where things were going and I, I would say there it, it's probably way too premature to even assume where the pieces will land. Yeah, I don't think you could just directly insert a Braun Breaker into, you know, like plans that were scheduled for Brock Lesnar, just because I mean, not only are they very different, you know, athletes, but um, Brock Lesnar is also much more popular and, and, and established than a brand new guy in Braun Breaker. And um, 
you know, it's all dependent on, I think, who the opponent is and what the program is. Um, and maybe you could possibly alter it. But I'm sure they are retooling everything to give Braun Breaker a proper introduction, first of all, you know, to a WWE audience. Um, whether or not he even has a match at WrestleMania, I I, I wonder if, 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 if the, you know, I, you would think so. But um, if they're I, calling him up now, they need to make him not just, you know, a... Mm-hmm. Andre the Giant Battle Royal guy. I think that really, because at that point, keep him then for post-mania plans. I think yeah. if they're bringing him up now, there's a reason for it. Other than, if not, they would have just done the cameo. I think they've they they made they've made it pretty clear, like he is getting the call up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, we'll see, you know, what, what sort of a role he might have for a WrestleMania run. And um, they're definitely going to be giving him something big and, and important. So um Good for Braun, you know, um, Brock's losses, Braun's game. Hiromu Takahashi has re-signed with New Japan, and this was uh, announced through Tokyo Sports. So Hiromu staying put with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So he's not coming to WWE or AEW? He is not. No, he is not going to be the subject of any kind of bidding war. And there you have it. Um, Not that it would have surprised me if, like, it came out that like he would be one to leave because I think he is the exact type of charisma that would translate to any market, despite whatever language, you know, much like Shinsuke Nakamura, but um, good for new Japan to hold on to that one. He's important. Yeah, for, for sure. Mm-hmm. SmackDown doing 2,475,000 viewers and a 0.71 in the demo beating out the U S figure skating championships on NBC. This was their biggest audience since September 15th, which was the show with the rock and Pat McAfee and highest demo audience since the Bray Wyatt, Terry Funk tribute show last August. So yes, it was the night before the Royal rumble. Um, do you attribute a sizable amount of this to just the publicity from the yes. past couple of days? A hundred percent. Yes. For me, at least, you know, I mean, I watched the SmackDown. I think the lineup going in was not like, were people really that interested to see people draw balls out of the, the fucking roller? You know, I, I don't think so. I think it's all the talk of WWE and Vince McMahon um, that, that would have led to, to this number. But do you think the thought you think? process was just, if they're going to address it, because when the first scandal, like the first wall street journal story broke and they built it like, remember that Vince announced he was going to appear on SmackDown mm-hmm. and they drew a number out of it. I mean, there was less than zero chance of Vince McMahon showing up on this SmackDown or of the company talking about it. But right. the resignation happened as the show was going on as well. So, I mean, I do attribute most of it to just the Vince McMahon news, although I just like I'll just say personally, like I had no interest in watching SmackDown on Friday night and I don't even know really the psychology of that curiosity when like there was no way this was going to be addressed on TV. Right. What time did the resignation news uh, drop? Dude, it was like in the first hour of SmackDown. I want to say like between eight and eight 30 was when, when the news officially dropped with the Nick Khan email. Mm. And uh, I guess uh, I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm going to look back to, to, to Brandon's quarter hours to see if there, there's any sort of notable shift. Um, I mean, it was pretty high throughout the entire two hours. Yeah, it, 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 it's not like there was so. some big, big jump um, mm-hmm. j- just because of that. But I, I don't doubt that the Vince McMahon news did draw people to this show for whatever reason, whatever you were looking for. Um, but yeah, they they did a giant number on Friday. Uh, Rampage actually held up, did a did a pretty good number itself. 382,000 viewers and a 0.13 in the demo, up slightly. Uh, but where they really got a jump was in male viewership in both 18 to 49 and 18 to 34. 
Although women in the 18 to 34 demo took a bit of a decline. The peak was the first quarter for John Moxley and Lee Moriarty. Um, are you expecting like collision to just tank number wise on, on Saturday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what it is won't... tank? Like what is tank for collision? Honestly, like, it, and, and does it, we kind of know what to expect, right? And how much weight do we put on? Oh yeah. It's, on it? I'm only curious to, like, it was, I, I only got to watch it like late last night. It was a hell of a show. I thought collision was great on Saturday. And I will say, if you were someone that for whatever reason, skipped the rumble to watch collision, they gave you a great show that um, they needed to on a, on a show like that, that cage match I thought was great. Danielson and Nagata was strong. Uh, you had Eddie Kingston and Willie Mack on the show. Like I just thought overall, it was a really entertaining two hour show. I, I enjoyed this show more than I did the Royal Rumble. I think that sort of buzz is like maybe the best thing you can hope for, you know, when you're going up against something like the the the, the Royal Rumble. I mean, it, its success may not be measured in, in ratings, but I think word of mouth and sort of like the reputation that, hey, this is worth watching um, even in DVR or it's worth watching certainly on nights where it's unopposed. You know, they, they can't afford to just take it easy on nights like this. Bozier City, A-Town for AEW. Tuesday night, NXT will have a face-to-face with Ilya Dragunov and Trick Williams. The Dusty Classic semifinal with Trick and Carmelo Hayes against Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde. Noam Dar against Von Wagner for the Heritage Cup. And Electra Lopez against Lola Vice as, I think, Electra Lopez probably finishing up on NXT now that she's made the jump to SmackDown. Dynamite will be in New Orleans on Wednesday. And we have the return of Chris Jericho taking on Kyle Fletcher. Deanna Perrazzo against Taya Valkyrie. And then the dealer's choice matches. We'll see Hangman Page against Toa Leona and Swerve Strickland against the heavily teased Rob Van Dam without stating it flat out. Right. Um, I like this role for Rob Van Dam, you know, like if he yeah. were a full-time roster member, I don't think I'd, I don't think he'd be appreciated. I don't know if I, I would appreciate it. But if to you, have him like if you way could pick my opponent and you really had a beef with me, okay? You <laughs> you once um I, I I broke into your house once and like left a t-shirt by your child's crib. Would yeah. you be going to the Rolodex and picking you know who Rob Van Dam? <laughs> that's who's I, gonna shit up Pollock. Of all I'll, the people yeah. at my disposal, everyone in this company, everyone I know in wrestling, Rob Van Dam. Um I guess um you know, Hangman um, was trying to think outside of the box, you know, throw you throw you for a loop. OK, well, Rob Van Dam and Swerve Strickland. Um, and last thing, uh, WrestleTix did note the, uh, the the Royal Rumble uh, number that they were able to uh, decipher was forty six thousand eighty two, which would have been a, a roughly two thousand off of the announced figure on uh, WWE programming. So so very much more accurate than in the past much closer not to the degree the survivor series was in november but pretty damn close and again this is the uh the wrestle ticks number like i i could see this being like pretty like on like spot on with the announcement. Now, are they trying to include everybody that's in attendance and not just you know the people that purchase tickets to get to eight forty eight thousand? um well the the WrestleTix number typically does not include like the the suites and and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it would suggest to us that like WWE is getting more honest with their numbers that they're putting on uh, television, which one hundred percent is a shift from from Vince. 
Mm. Where and then WrestleMania for purposes only. WrestleMania will also be very telling, and as, as well as Perth as well. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Okay, coming up this week on the site, we have got on Tuesday. It's happening, folks. It's a likely for 2024. The MMA Prediction Show is coming at you. Ariel Hawani, John Pollock. We are going to go through all of the predictions made one year ago and then make a whole new list for 2024. I would say maybe maybe the biggest news of uh, today, perhaps at least, John. What what what? I thought there there wasn't enough time to get one in this year. What's going on? Everybody's been asking. I had to I had to make time. Okay, if you don't have time, you make time. And uh, Ariel and I, the tradition will continue. Year number like eleven or something of doing this. This was one of the, one of the most demanded, one of the most asked questions over the past month. Here, where is the prediction show? Where is the prediction show? Where's the so it tells you a lot of people love this show. Okay, ten, what, eleven years in now. I got I got requests at uh, when I was at the UFC from like media. It's like where where's the prediction show? Listen, mm. I I'm one man. Okay, let's let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can do. John Pollock delivers. Okay, so that's coming out on Tuesday. Look out for that. Um, Brandon Davey will have you covered Tuesday night after NXT. Wednesday, as I mentioned, uh, Brandon and I will we be continuing to focus on the Vince McMahon story. Uh, Michael McCann from Sportico will be joining us and probably at least one other uh, guest as well. So stay tuned for that. That'll be live 3 Eastern on Wednesday. Thursday, Way and I are traveling back to Toronto for Raw is War from September 3rd of 2001 at the Air Canada Centre, as it was named in 2001. Um, all I know is that uh, Kurt Angle and Steve Austin end up on a bridge. And I know that because I defined an image for the schedule. I don't know what else is on this show. And I was at this card 20 some odd years ago. I'll, I'll tell you who was uh, getting a lot of uh, cheers on this particular particular show. It probably was Rob Van Dam. This was, was super... He was super hot. I know the next night they do Austin and Van Dam in Toronto. They did back to back nights, and this is this is night one. Yeah, I, I remember this period very well. I mean, this was uh, I went. I didn't go to this show. I went to the SmackDown afterwards, but it's very much you know a very similar sort of era. This was uh, really at the height of the invasion, was it not? This is when they announced WrestleMania. Like they did, um, they did the announcement during the day <laughs> to announce that they're coming back in for Mania in March. As I remember. yeah. Yeah, uh, you know how much I love the invasion, John. You know, That's... before there was a Forbidden Door, there was a WCW WWE invasion, and I look forward to talking about the Alliance. Um, God knows what else is on the show. Yes, the era of uh, Mighty Molly, and yeah, we'll we'll dive into it. We'll <laughs> we'll figure out September third, two thousand and one, of uh, a well remembered date in wrestling history. So that's coming out Thursday for members at postwrestlingcafe.com. We'll have a new post pro res with WH Park and Karen Peterson coming out on Friday. The season finale of Echo 
with WH Park and Rich Fan. Double dose of WH. You can never the get qu- enough WH. Quadruple H. And then Collision Course Saturday, and then Davey and Braden wrap up the week with a review of NXT Vengeance Day from Clarksville, Tennessee on Sunday night. Mm. Yeah, uh, maybe just a note um, on, on the scheduling. So last week we were supposed to put out a long and winding world road with me on uh, WH's show. Uh, for obvious reasons, I think it made sense to delay that to uh, a future date. So those of you uh, eagerly waiting for that, you could a bit longer, a bit more there. winding on the road to yeah. Kawada Masawa from 1995. So look out for that in the in the coming weeks from Way and WH Park. But now we shift focus to Tampa, Florida for tonight's edition of Monday Night Raw. 12,459 tickets out per Russell Ticks. And out comes Pat McAfee, who is now the permanent member of the Raw broadcast team with Michael Cole. So we got rid of Kevin Patrick. So we were down to one play-by-play man. We, 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 we were good on analysts. So Pat McAfee is back. They have an abundance of analysts. Between Graves, Barrett, and now Pat McAfee, who I cannot fathom that this guy is going to be traveling every Monday to do Raw on top of his normal gig. So from what I gather, college game day is over, right? Yes, yes. Which would free him up and and, and maybe avoid the initial reason why he departed SmackDown. But he's doing a daily talk show five well, days a week. Well, he's also probably crazy. You know, and uh, probably getting paid a handsome, uh, you know, uh, amount to to do something like this. But you can tell he clearly loves it. Maybe you couldn't tell. He, from he's being paid down. more than a handsome amount from ESPN, so well. he does not need to be doing this by any stretch of the imagination. I just question. Um, number one, my first thought when I saw Pat McAfee here, knowing the news, was like, man, I'm sure the guy probably doesn't want to be traveling while he's got the, this injury. But you put Punk on commentary for oh. like six months. Could you like that would seriously be, um, I think, appealing to a lot of people to have punk on commentary for six months. Number two is that I would say if you could have gotten Pat McAfee, it would have made all the sense in the world while you're like courting your next television contract that you have someone of Pat McAfee's uh, celebrity attached to your show. But they've passed the finish line at this point. So, I mean, I would love to know what Pat McAfee is like, uh, like. I'm sure he enjoys doing this, but mm-hmm. man, he is very behind on this product. I will say a bit better than the rumble tonight, but I mean, that will come with the, he can't avoid watching raw cause he will be calling raw, but it's yeah. still very evident that he is getting familiar with all the current storylines and what's what. I definitely felt like tonight, even he, he was still a, a bit more art Donovan than he was, um, you know, the Pat McAfee of old. Um, and again, that'll come Ran with to the washroom at one point. They noted on the broadcast. Did you hear him say that? It's like, yeah. it's a long show. I, I, I know he brings like a ton of value to, you know, to, to the show that uh, in ways that I probably don't necessarily understand, not really being a, a consumer of his podcast or anything else like that. Um, so I get it. I do wish that they I, I do hope that they have a good role for wade baird who i think has been excellent you know in in this spot like he's not the type of commentator that i think maybe um takes so much attention away from the product um that i think he he just ultimately enhances it you know and he does a very good job of keeping up with the storylines obviously he's up with nxt so i wonder what his next move is and i wonder what smackdown's going to look like you know without a lead play-by-play guy well i wouldn't be the first one to make this this joke and i say it like half jokingly is that man for those weeks that 
Corey Graves was with, this, was with Kevin Patrick, and Graves had to pretty much play the role of both. That you could easily put Graves in a play-by-play position because he kind of had to be that quarterback with Kevin Patrick. Um, I just cannot. Sorry, sorry. It's Cole. It's Cole on SmackDown, I guess, doing double duty, right? Well, it it is. um, But the question would be like, what? uh, I'm just joking. But like, if you put Graves with Barrett, um, Mm, yeah. I don't know. They they have an abundance of of analysts and like pretty much Michael Cole and Vic Joseph as your play by play people. And I don't know why Cole would be doing both shows for the extended uh, period here. Punk they on play by play. Who cares? Throw them out there. Punk and Graves. Punk. <laughs> yeah, they're friends, aren't they? Yeah. So anyway. I, I'm sure Punk would do a great job doing that as well. CM Punk comes out, arm is in a sling, and he looks at that WrestleMania sign and. He felt he had it. It was in the palm of his hand. He's not mad that he lost on Saturday and congratulates Cody Rhodes, says he's earned this, hope he win, hopes he wins at WrestleMania. He doesn't believe in luck, but I do feel a bit unlucky. He tore his triceps, thought maybe he could tape it up and work through it, but that's not in the cards. Maybe headlining WrestleMania won't ever happen. But then he mentions his friend Chad Gilbert, who has cancer, and he spends time with him, and he's always in a good mood, and that's a real fight. This is a flesh wound. And he says, uh, Chad Gilbert, guitarist of Newfound Glory. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did, Jordan, did not recognize the name, but I know Newfound Glory. That's a note Good. from Jordan Goodman. Uh, he'll want oh. credit for that one. Wow, that's, yeah. that's very, I thought that would just be off the top of your head, way. No, it's not. <laughs> says he loses more often than he wins. Did you see me fight in the UFC? I had a dream. And I was given an opportunity and I said yes because it scared the crap out of me. Just like coming back here after 10 years scared me. Back to a place I never wanted to leave, but I had to. WrestleMania scares me and it might haunt me for the rest of my life. But being the best in the world, that's for people who fight cancer, put their lives on the line. I promise to keep doing this until the wheels fall off because you people seem to like me. I've overcome adversity, but I don't focus on the negative and those who told me no WrestleMania 40 isn't in the cards, but I'm a Cubs fan. So it's not the first time I've said there's always next year. Um, This is when Drew McIntyre interrupted this, this interview, this promo, whatever you want to call it. It was amazing. Like it was so like, like this guy, when he is in his zone, I think there are a few at this level. And this is in a company now where you have many great talkers and he was I mean, it was just, it, it was real. It was a real emotion that you had from him. Um, how often do you ever hear him refer to the UFC and and his tenure there? Like that is, it's been a heel line a few times in AEW, but himself, I mean, that has been something like he just never touches on. And just like a really great, like, explanation like here he I used had it this. to ba- he used it to babyface himself you know he totally. used his ufc terrible ufc run that people have made fun of him for to babyface himself which is amazing um i think again this is punk and the wwe making the best out of a bad situation but it required an excellent promo from cm punk in order to accomplish it and this was an excellent babyface promo i we we have been critical of i think cm punk in the first several appearances he's had in in this wwe comeback this is punk back at his best you know and unfortunately he's just leaving right now but he's shown that he he still very much has you know that top level top shelf promo within him um and it was a great 
babyface promo for all the criticisms I might have had about maybe authenticity to his voice. Um, this was as purely babyface as you could get. This was like a very good runner up speech for maybe somebody who's lost like a primary election giving his endorsement to Cody, you know, very classy, respectable sort of dismount from the race. Um, he, you know, threw in a little bit of flattery of the Tampa Bay lightning in there as well, just kind of maybe sweeten this crowd up a little bit more, a little bit of self-deprecation about his UFC run. And then of course, a very touching personal story about his, his personal friend who, who's, you know, uh, who is fighting a, a, a very, very real heroic battle right now. Um, I thought it was just a textbook sort of excellent promo from baby, uh, a baby face CM Punk that sets him up for a huge comeback. Like this to me feels at this point, at least a lot can happen between now and next year. But if Cody's going to finish his story this year, this is the story for the year after WrestleMania 41 CM Punk finally getting his main event. Well, I mean, there's, there's always the comeback, but man, it's, I, I just, I, I can't believe like, to be in in this position where i mean look at the like like we were gushing last week over the segment with cody rhodes it's like you had just set the table for all this stuff it was you know it's like time is not on his side for like career wise and you mm-hmm. just have to be so frustrated that you could be looking at potentially another like best case scenario like it's probably six months um yeah. so any anyway drew mcintyre interrupts says i do think you're you're poison but you know punk i can relate to you you know it, w- it was a while back i i lost my job and i had to reassess my career and face adversity and i'm really not that spiritual of a person but i prayed for this and it happened i came into the royal rumble i targeted you punk and i violently assaulted you and when you eliminated me i couldn't sleep that night after the royal rumble But then when I heard the next day about your injury, I had exercised the demon CM Punk and I slept wonderfully last night. Now I'll find a way to WrestleMania and I'll live your dream again. Dude, Drew McIntyre was, he was amazing on this entire show. He's been amazing pretty much every week, but to me, he has reached another level. Like if there is someone that it's unfortunate about this injury that is so obvious the guy to step into this role as the lead heel on this brand to go into WrestleMania. This man has talked his way into this spot and he was tremendous here. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of um like rumors out there about the, the state of his contract, whether or not he's currently signed one, whether or not he'll stick around after WrestleMania. But man, like this felt like, you know, this entire Drew McIntyre heel run has felt like maybe uh, an extended sort of negotiation tactic and a campaign for him to get the biggest check he possibly could because the man has been just on fire, you know, for several months now and he's heading towards WrestleMania and finds himself in a position where he's probably more valuable than he's ever been. And um, I, I, yeah, like you said, you know, um, if Punk can't have that Rollins match, I think Drew is a perfect replacement. We will talk about other options that they might be presenting in that spot as well. Punk's injury certainly hurts a lot, but it doesn't cripple WrestleMania. You know, uh, not at a time when this roster is as deep and as impressive as it's been in years. And Drew McIntyre is 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 one of those standout guys. So, yeah, they've got a lot going for them. Um, it's um. But th- this hurts. I think this does hurt. Hurts, like definitely. Like yes. Like that's that's a big name to lose for Mania mm-hmm. season for for this year in particular. 
Mm. Punk just explains my heart hurts more than my triceps. I'll headline WrestleMania next year. But when I come back, you're first on my checklist. I'm coming for you. And they get into a brawl and Drew stomps his arm when Sami Zayn runs down to attack Drew and clear the ring and then help uh, CM Punk to his, his feet. And that's uh, that was the end of CM Punk for the foreseeable future. It sets up your return program for him. I mean, maybe by some indication, this might have been something they were going to for either Elimination Chamber or something. You know, who knows? Um, but now it's going to be delayed, unfortunately. But hopefully it'll feel big or bigger by the time it happens. I thought this was I, I thought it was a tremendous segment uh, for what the, what they had and what what they got out of it and and something for Drew as well coming out of it, mm-hmm. where I think you do have um, like people were just so like engrossed with CM Punk's speech. And then he comes out and it was like one of those heel interruptions that I think really did benefit the, the, the heel in this s- scenario. Does it give you any, any indication about um, what you might sort of. Um, I don't know. Does it give you any maybe more hope that or at least um, I, uh, does it suggest that Drew McIntyre has resigned basically is what I'm trying to say. The fact that they're already building to the CM Punk match. Okay, if he's, if he's not, um, we are not moving forward one more. Like I wouldn't be doing this angle until yeah. I have this guy on paper. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen some crazy stuff when it comes like, I mean, it's it's not the the equivalent, but and it's a totally different company with New Japan, but what they did with with Jonah, with Bronson Reed through the G1, and then building him up, he's the guy to beat Okada in the G1, and then find out he's he's not under contract, and WWE just scoops him up. I was like, how did you not have this set up when you were booking and executing all of this? I would say at this point, I mean, they, they have not gone so far with Drew that this would be, you know, I just, for him, I would, um, he, he's in a, tremendous position to um command a great amount to stick around and his value just shot up uh, it's it's a sad part of any industry but his value jumped that much more over the past 48 hours maybe we'll get that bronson reed uh okada payoff well somewhere else judgment day is in the back and ripley says that it's bailey's funeral if she chooses me at wrestlemania and priest and Balor ready to show how vicious they are. The distractions are gone. They're all on the same page. We had the, the, the regular walk and talk with DIY who have waited seven years for this television title match against the tag team champions. We have waited for this since watching wrestling on Saturday mornings as kids. Mm-hmm. One segment sure. match. It's commercial. We, we didn't even mention it's commercial free for the first hour uh, as well. Yeah. Commercial free for the first hour, but a ton of commercials in the second and third hours. Not complaining. Not complaining. Priest and Balor against DIY for the tag titles. Gargano gets the tag after the advantage on Ciampa. Uh, Priest stops a fairy tale ending, and then they double-team Ciampa when he's back in. One final beat is hit, and then Ciampa with the air raid crash off the turnbuckle for a near fall. Crowd reacts to that. They hit the meet in the middle onto Balor. Fans are getting into it, chanting DIY, but then uh, it's Priest yanking the leg of Balor right there in front of the referee. Um, and this is just breaking up the uh, the cover. Not a DQ. Uh, is it usually a DQ? Uh, has it been a DQ in recent memory? Am I forgetting something? Yeah, I guess you can just pull him out from, from the floor. No problem. Priest is then sent flying over the desk. Balor uh, misses with the coup de grace. So Gargano uh, with 
uh, Gargano escape while Ciampa applies the Sicilian stretch at the same time. But Priest lifts up Ciampa, drops him on Gargano, breaking up the submission. Priest then catches Gargano, elevated flatliner onto the desk. And then they have Ciampa alone with a razor's edge coup de gras to retain the belts in 12 minutes and 54 seconds. First match back officially for Pat McAfee as a regular member of the Raw broadcast. And he gives this a six star rating. Six star match. I, I'd love to to know what the comparison points are. This for, guy, uh, he, he was he was watching Okada on his on his iPhone. I, I guess. Do we know what how big the scale is? It could be a ten star scale. We don't know that. You're um, right. He is he has not introduced the the McAfee star scale, but yeah. um, six star. He also Allen Priest against DIY. He also seemed to learn for the first time what DIY stood for in this match, as he asked Michael Cole. And I could like I guess he never called any of their uh, like DIY matches in NXT whatever like it's kind of his thing to like kind of be aloof you know and you're going to get a bit more of that on this first night back um listen listen, i was was a big fan of pat mcafee broadcaster but pat mcafee getting like back into the swing of things i'm i'm not as into it it, it takes time but but he'll get there uh we'll we'll give him a, a few weeks i thought diy looked great here um as a first title challenge i thought tampa treated them really well and it, overall, I felt like it was the type of match where they gained something even in defeat, but so much of that sort of like, you know, feeling comes from the follow up and, and they have to continue to treat DIY as an important act if if they want to have them stick around and not just be seen as mid carters, which I think they could be in danger of. Um, so it was, it was a good, good match. match. Which, yeah. I, I like the match. I thought I thought this uh, there was a very good wrestling uh, on this show. I I co-signed with you with DIY. It's you know, a good match, um, but w- what they do with them beyond that, I think they're mm. they're sort of just have carved out their spot as you know your they can gr- they can have a great match in the middle of the card. You can call on them for for that. Is there much more to it w- w- with them? We'll see. Dom and JD join Priest and Balor in the ring, and they state that there's one member of the Judgment Day that deserves an apology. They call out our truth. And truth comes out, and if you watch it, when they do the uh, the druid holograms, they have now mm-hmm. added an R Truth stand in with the holograms that I thought was hilarious. And Truth says that you know we've always been family. Priest is like his older brother. Finn is the weird uncle. JD is the stepbrother they don't want to admit is in the family. Priest says, "But you're not in the Judgment Day, and and I like you. You're funny, but because of that, I'm not the one who's going to do this." And JD jumps R-Truth from behind, attacks him, beats him down. Then the Miz comes down. They beat him down too. And Awesome Truth is left laying as the Judgment Day stands tall. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question coming out of this is, was this the turn? Was this the big turn? You know, because I think we we were all, or at least you and I were thinking that the turn would come with perhaps Priest uh, showing uh, some sort of babyface I don't know, inkling to towards saving truth. This comes across to me like a bit more of like a middle chapter, you know, rather than like Sami Zayn finally turning on Roman Reigns at the rubble, for instance. This feels like um it's only maybe an obstacle for our truth, and he'll still think that he's a part of the judgment day. Cause I just I just sense like a bigger sort of moment for them to finally extinguish this. Uh but we'll but we'll see. Uh but obviously it builds to truth and Miz being your next challengers or at least big next big challengers for the judgment days tag titles when do you think that match happened i mean that could be at elimination chamber potentially is it big enough for mania 
I, I mean, I, I wouldn't discount it. Like, our truth is really hot, and I could see them going Who else is there further with them. Oh, you're right. I mean, there's not a, a big um, program for Judgment Day on the horizon. Um, but yeah, um, that's, that's a long way. I just, I don't feel it with Truth and Miz. Like, I feel that there is just a non-chemistry there, even though the whole point of this is that they have this history together. Hmm. Um, I think because of the history, like I, I accept them as a team. Um, it kind of leaves Miz in like a bit of a, uh, I don't know, kind of like a, like, I don't know if him playing the straight man next to R-Truth is, is like the, um, like him at his best, you know, uh, but truth is hot. And to get him into like a big program, a tag team match with an established tag partner in the Miz, I think makes a lot of sense, even if it is for a maybe, stage. Maybe they'll do a music video together. That, that 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 would um that would probably garner them some extra fame. Our, our truth of woe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Baszler and Stark against Niven and Chelsea Green. Um, Green got tagged in, and she threw Baszler off to avoid the Kirafuda, and then just sidesteps, missing a missile drop kick. So, uh, and then Zoe Stark killed her with a Z three sixty. Two minutes five seconds as they beat the former champions. And then we took our first commercial break 53 minutes into the first hour. Kicking things off for hour two is Cody Rhodes and has Samantha Irvin do double duty here, announcing him as the winner of the 2023 and 24 Royal Rumble. Cody says, we all need an escape. And this is where he talks about the fans getting him through on Saturday and is about to make the WrestleMania main event official when Seth Rollins interrupts, shakes Cody's hand. I mean, on this show of all shows where we do the the guy is hurt legit and we're going to do the big injury angle. I couldn't help but watch this and just Im- immediately go back to this guy's uh, torn peck and Rollins destroying him on Raw the uh, the Monday after. Well, they put a lot uh, past them. They've 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 been through a lot. Rollins is a different person now. Yeah, they, they they've done the house show loop together. So it's water under the bridge. He tells Cody, if you choose Reigns, you're making a mistake. You should fight me instead. And uh, I give Cody a lot of credit. He had to have like the same confused look on his face for about 10 minutes here as Seth Rollins put out his case. And they kept cutting to Cody, who had to look like, I've never thought of this as an option ever. This is so bizarre that you're telling me this. And the man just had to have this look for the whole promo. And the crowd is chanting, no, no, no. I mean, just a ringing endorsement of this secondary championship. Cody said, Cody, you said that you were the guy, but you're not the guy. And neither is Roman Reigns anymore. I'm the guy. And this title is the title in WWE. The landscape has changed. And I know you've been thinking of Roman Reigns nonstop for the past year, but you're on the road with me. We've seen all these towns and who's headlining all these shows. It's not Roman Reigns. It's me. People were sick of Roman Reigns. That's why this title was created. This title is for us by us and now we have Boo-boo. a new name for this championship uh, the fubu world heavyweight champion seth rollins and we don't have to pretend that roman reigns is god anymore we don't need roman reigns at all that's the hollywood title the hogan title for posers now was this just him like going from Hollywood to Hogan? Because this felt like a very unnecessary dig just at, at Hulk Hogan out of nowhere by Seth Rollins, the self-professed uh, Hulkamaniac here. 
did he has he professed himself to be a hulkamaniac oh he was last week they were doing uh, the anniversary thing and they did something with rollins he was oh, on right? the daniel cormier interview he was there like promoting the hulkamania thing so <laughs> Um, right? I don't think this was him deliberately huh. jabbing Hogan. I mean, there's plenty of wrestlers that I think would more than volunteer to uh, take a shot at Hogan, but I don't know if Seth hmm. is one of them. Says this, and this is the title you don't have to politic for. And he says, "Do you want? Yeah, do you want the poser title or do you want the Dusty Rhodes title, the workhorse title, the blue collar championship?" Which was nice that he was actually uh, decked out here to back that car. Huh. Yes. And says, but I know this isn't about Dusty. It's about you. And all I ask is that you think about it. What kind of a man do you want to be? Do you want to be a poser? Or do you want to follow in your father's footsteps? No pressure. Cody says, I have a lot of respect for you, Seth. And I didn't imagine we'd be talking about this. And I'll think about it. And that's how the segment ended. So, um, man, a lot on, on Cody's mind here. I think this presented a really interesting scenario and um, they have pushed Cody versus Roman now for like what, like a year and a half. Like we've been involved in this storyline and and Cody has specifically avoided challenging for Rollins title this entire year because we all know that the story ends with Cody beating Roman Reigns specifically for that championship. The championship he says his father never got and they you know they they go they went as far as to have cody point directly at roman reigns at the end of the royal rumble last night but punk's injury changes everything and they did not know about cm punk's injury when they had cody point to roman reigns at the end of the royal rumble so whether or not this was just a a misdirection to you know serve up this sort of a decision story from cody um it's suddenly a lot more uh, of a realistic possibility than it was, you know, uh, 48 hours ago. Um, because if you're if you're the WWE, you have several cards on the table, several major cards on the table. Even if CM Punk is not there, you still have The Rock. You have The Rock versus Roman Reigns. You have Cody versus Roman Reigns as well. But... If you have the Rock and Roman Reigns, you have Seth Rollins who needs an opponent, you have a Cody Rhodes, what's the best what's the best way to maximize your value with all of those pieces? I think everybody watching this, like you heard it, doesn't want the possibility of Cody not having that Roman Reigns match. Um but if the creative is strong enough and it's going to take some really strong creative, they might actually attempt to try to convince the audience that Seth versus Cody might be a better way to go. And again, it's going to do it require a lot of heavy lifting from both guys. And I thought Rollins cut, like did a great job tonight. Like if there was like this is a monumental task to ask a babyface to try to convince them that the, the year and a half pro- long program that they've been building to and that we're approaching the finish line for is to 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 suggest that they're going to change it. And I thought Rollins did a great job. But again, Punk's Punk's injury changes everything. So I'm just saying it's it's possible. I I, I don't throw out any ideas because it's everything's been thrown up in the air with this punk injury. There's like it totally makes sense. If you have the commitment of the rock, you could make the argument you should be doing that regardless. Um, that's there. Um, but if, if if for some reason the rock is not there and you've got to play with the pieces you have here, you've also introduced the idea of doing 
Cody going for both, where it's faces Seth night one, winner Mm -hmm. gets Reigns the next night. You have a viable Cody Reigns rematch, or you tease Reigns and Rollins the second night, and you can even promote it as like winner take all with the with the championships. Interesting. Okay. If, if, if you have rock out of the equation and you've got to play with the players that you have at your disposal. Now, if, if the rock is not available, should you not just go for Roman versus Cody and have Drew versus Rollins or Gunther versus Rollins, you know, just to kind of like create a few more top spots for, for several guys rather than having three people only take up those spots. I guess you look at it of like who, what, what they think is, the biggest match for that, that first night, like the trouble is like Seth and drew is like, there's a story there. Absolutely. But it's but also they've done the match. It's sort of like, we've like, we've done it on TV by this point as well. We just did mm-hmm. it a month ago. Um, and, and again, there's the whole question mark with drew as well. Like, um, yeah. So th- there's a lot of calculus that I would say that goes into this, but I mean, yes, you, if you have the, the rock option that is certainly like, as we had said, an embarrassment of riches. And now you might be one guy down and you can shift the, you can, you can shift your plans. And this is going to be a very big set of shows for the company regardless, but it it was a very strong segment here. I saw, I thought Seth was great and um, it looks like they are going to draw this out uh, further with the, with where they're going. And, like, can can we even say, like, they have a definitive plan locked? At, at well, I, so much of it, I think, depends on The Rock, doesn't it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, and, all and I'm saying, worry, like, everything that went down last week, I mean, that could very much uh, affect things with, with Dwayne Johnson. I mean, true. he is the guy, let's remember, he has to be out there promoting the UFL, and you're all, you're already on this board of directors, and you're pushing Mania. It's like, he will be in a lot of... Uh, he's going to be out in the public eye and by default, like he is going to become like the spokesman for this company that this, yeah. this lawsuit is going to be major news. Um, at least it is now. It's so, it's so interesting how so much connects together. Obviously everything connects together, but like the, 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 the idea that like we're, we're past the rumble and the main event for WrestleMania could still be several different options um, because of a numerous amount of factors, you know, including injuries to CM Punk and everything going on with Vince McMahon. It, it just makes this run up to Mania maybe that much more interesting. We go to the New Day and Kofi cuts a promo about people associating them with their pancakes and bootios, but we're also about winning titles and he's going to win his fifth IC title tonight. But before that, Jay Uso, Bronson Reed, one week in the making. Reed is attacking him, big senton. And then after missing the Uso splash, Reed hits him with a Death Valley driver, and then Jay rolls away from the tsunami, super kick, spear, and the Uso splash to win in nine minutes and 17 seconds. And um, just kind of keeping Jay around. Like, he is just, he's just, like, floating. This was Jay's first Raw singles match since December the 18th against Ludwig Kaiser. His first Raw match period since January the the 1st. So he's been pretty much inactive for an entire month. And I I can't really explain the reason why. I mean, maybe they wanted to just kind of set up a big surprise meeting between him and his brother at Rumble, but it doesn't mean you can't have him involved at least like talking about how much he wants to win the, the, the Rumble. I really feel like he's kind of cooled off over the past month and 
no clear direction of what what well i guess they 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 tease the 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 jimmy thing but no follow-up even uh if if the goal of the rumble was to make you want to see that match i don't think they did a great job of that at all in the rumble Mm -hmm. like you yeah they were one and two but you weren't left with that rumble of man i can't wait for them to get to there was no big angle shot between them it was just cool that off being in the ring yeah it was like you gave breaker the elimination of uh of who did he eliminate jimmy or jay he eliminated one of them anyway i don't remember um, at this point it was jimmy yeah. i think so yeah that was um he, he's gonna need story he's gonna need promo it's not it's not enough to just have like hey like you're my twin brother you know like when the story was hot when everybody was still thinking about the bloodline yeah but i think now it, it deserves a, a bit more sort of personal and they can get there like we're still far away from mania i also want to say missed opportunity here not calling this match meat versus eat oh man they're just wrecking Jay at every opportunity, aren't they? <laughs> just cutting them off at the legs. Um, they did do they did do a very good job of like isolating video packages for Andrade, Jade Cargill, and Braun Breaker to emphasize their appearances in the Rumble. Andrade has signed with Raw. Nick Aldis walks in and just got scooped from right on out uh, from underneath him. And Aldis tells Pierce, we, we've got to talk about the Elimination Chamber. But before he can, he gets a call from Braun Breaker. So that's our tease of Breaker probably showing up on SmackDown. So it seems to take Andrade out from the LWO Legato yeah. angle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, which is fine. Like, you know, there's, there's plenty for him to, to be involved with, I suppose. Who's he going to uh, mix up with, you think, on Raw? Probably like um, a Jey Uso level. Jey Uso is going to be my guess. When in doubt, go with Jey Uso. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, but also doing a good job of like making Braun feel like, um, you know, the, the hot free agent. Gunther did a promo. He says, Kofi, you're about to have the biggest fight of your life. And uh, he says that, uh, Gunther, after tonight, I'll just forget about you. And I'll leave you in the ring as I continue as the longest reigning intercontinental champion ever. Jackie interviewed a very, uh, very distraught Becky Lynch as she let a lot of people down by losing the Rumble, let herself down, but she's not going to give up. She's going to have to think smarter, fight dirtier, and take the title back to the main event. So she's got to regroup. Great, great mm-hmm. news, Becky. There's a there's a show called the Elimination Chamber, and there's a second title. So you know what? There is a Plan B for you. Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. Gunther and Kofi Kingston. I thought this match was great. Gunther attacks him right away and puts the Boston Crab on. We go to break, and Gunther is in control. Kingston then catches him coming off the top, uh, or comes off the top, and is caught with a backbreaker. And Gunther applies the Boston Crab again, and we just cut abruptly to break. It's jarring when I don't get, Raw rolls on. It's just like when they're boom. doing stuff in right the as ring. He applies a submission hold. We cut to break. I was like, who is making this call to go to break at this inopportune time? I mean, this was a this was a show where they had to back end, you know, um, all sort of all the commercial breaks that they missed out on in the first hour. So these matches aren't typically structured, I guess, with multiple dives to the outside and therefore maybe a commercial break in the middle of a Boston crab. It's like one, two. We'll be right back. Suicide dive is caught and Kingston gets driven back first into the apron, uh, tries for a power bomb, but Gunther is sent into the post and 
out of nowhere, Kofi hits a trouble in paradise. It really gets rolling here. Gunther, instead of getting pinned, rolls to the floor. So Kingston goes after him, leaps off the barricade, and gets him back in and hits a boom drop off the top for a two count. Huge lariat from Gunther. And then Kofi lands the SOS. Another lariat is hit in response from Gunther. Dropkick, powerbomb, and stacks him in 15 minutes and 46 seconds. Yes, we had some... uh two commercials within this uh 15 or so minute match um but i i thought that they did a very good job here i would say probably second best match on the show i think i think once we finished the second commercial and they actually got going i i started to get into the match the first portion was i think relatively cold because maybe they were anticipating and waiting for these commercials um they definitely achieved like a pretty high you know quality by the end and then Woods checks on Kofi, and they get jumped by Vinci and Kaiser, who leave them laying yet again. Jackie is with Sami Zayn and asks how he is going to uh, put his emotions aside to take on Drew McIntyre tonight and said it was hard to sit on the sidelines, especially when I was taken out by someone like Drew. Then I drew number 30. That, too, was taken away by Drew. He needs a reality check tonight. Kabuki Warriors against Natalia and Tegan Knox. So the story is that Natalia is proud that Tegan Knox eliminated her from the Royal Rumble because it shows that she is learning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're double teaming Knox. Uh, did get some cheers from the crowd. And then she boots Asuka, throws Sane out of the ring, and then gets caught in an ankle lock by Asuka. Sane then yanks Natalia off the apron to stop the tag. So Knox escapes, finally makes the tag to Natalia, who comes in, hits a German discus lariat, and then Asuka fights off the sharpshooter. Sane gets involved and is thrown out. And as Natalia goes to tag Tegan, Tegan is dealing with Sane and goes to attack her, but gets knocked out on the floor. So Natalia's frustrated. They double team her and hit the, Oscar uh, uh, holds her for the insane elbow and Natalia eats the fall at 949. And they mentioned the miscommunication between Natalia and Knox. Right. Uh, I thought it was a really cold match, and I I didn't think it was very good in, in quality. Um, I don't know if it's just maybe what I'm watching, but like I I'm sensing a bit of like mistiming from Kyrie. You know, like for instance with the sharpshooter, um, that just seemed to go on. The sharpshooter attempt that that seemed to go on forever as they're waiting for Kyrie to come in and break it. I there, and then like there's a spot where like even um Natalia trying to go for something on the outside and. I maybe maybe it's just kind of to my eye, but I I've really not been that impressed with Kyrie on this run, unfortunately. Um, and this match, I don't think did a whole lot to um, maybe make me optimistic that the Kabuki Warriors with the championships is going to change the this division in any way. I mean, beyond that, it's 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 the creative, and I think it's the the importance of building up you know real challengers through storylines, and they just haven't really done that yet. Redman is with Chance and Carter, and they're going to get their rematch on Raw next week through Adam Pierce. And the Kabuki Warriors are still in the ring as Samantha Irvin introduces Bailey, your Royal Rumble winner, who comes out with Dakota Kai and Eosky, and calls this history with all these champions and the Royal Rumble winner all in the ring together for Dakota Kai. Well, she's still injured, is she not? Like, she, yeah. when is, when is she coming back? It feels like she's been injured for a year now. It's, uh, it's a hell of a well, injury more than that. Yeah, said the damage control would take over and thought their idea would be a flop. Thought people have told me I wasn't as good after my injury, but I didn't listen to those opinions. I wasn't even on the poster for the Royal Rumble, but here I stand as the winner. And the most after the most stacked women's roster in history, I won the Rumble and I beat Rhea Ripley's record at 63 minutes and three seconds. 
So Ripley comes out and is about to warn Bailey about choosing her for WrestleMania when she is jumped by Nia Jack, who beats the hell out of her, hits two leg drops in the ring and the annihilator, and then corners Bailey. Damage control just skirts out of the ring, and Bailey is warned. You can pick anyone else, but Rhea is not making it to WrestleMania. So Bailey says, Cool. Um, I'm gonna make my announcement on Friday on SmackDown anyway. And uh EO was surprised by this, that it was uh not just obvious that she is thinking she she could pick me in all of this. So mm-hmm. um, I feel this one should be drawn out a bit more than Friday for where she's I going. I think so too. Yeah. I was a bit surprised that they were um like teasing that they could have Bailey just simply choose EO out of the, the blue rather than maybe a bit more of a buildup towards an actual turn, giving Bailey an actual reason to choose EO. We could still get that, but man, to get it within the two hour show, it feels like it, it would be a bit rush. Like we're still dealing with a Bailey that's very much a, a heel at this point, even though the crowd wants to cheer for her, uh, but not as that, like not a huge indication of like that sort of descent, you know, but, between her and damage control yeah damage control like they were they're doing things like refusing to high five her um and not telling her about their plans but uh, maybe we'll get a big turn maybe like they'll they'll do an attack i don't know who knows i'm curious to see how they do it drew was interviewed backstage and, and, so- and do you think uh nine versus Rhea at the chamber is yeah, that that certainly seems to be where they're going for elimination chamber yeah i would say that singles match yeah, I mean, that was the only match that was teased for Elimination Chamber on tonight's show. I mean, granted, you'll have probably two chamber matches on the show. Um, Drew is interviewed backstage, just lays out his whole gimmick. All I do is tell the truth, and he looks up. He says, you know how many times Sami Zayn has beaten me in our singles matches? Zero. And I had to look this up. Man doesn't lie. Well, how many matches have they had? They've had like 10 or so singles matches, and he's won every one of them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Impressive. Not lying. So Sammy he's, and, he's going on cage match before these promos, I guess. He's, he's always, uh, yeah, that checking. Hmm. Zane and Drew closes the show. They go through another break. Zane hits a sunset bomb for a two count. And then Drew catches him with a spine buster and a sit out power bomb. Crowd is behind Zane. Zane manages a superplex, but can't capitalize to cover. Gets to his feet, calls for the haluva, but is cut off with a clothesline. And then Drew calls for the claymore and runs into a blue thunder bomb. Drew gets up and hits this huge belly to belly and hits the white noise off the turnbuckle, which was the second time we saw the same move on the show, and tells Zane, some people are just out of your league, and this prompts Zane to fight back, and then in the finish, as Zane goes for the haluva kick, Drew like gets his guard up and crouches down and nails him in the groin by defending himself, and Zane is hurt by the groin shot, and Drew capitalizes with the Claymore and pins him in 12 minutes and 58 seconds. Now, um, now if they were in uh if they were in a state with a that subscribes to the unified rules, you could go to instant replay on a fight ending sequence and potentially get the decision overturned, but they do not subscribe to the unified rules here. So huh. Drew McIntyre. So, so you're saying you're saying under uh in MMA, uh, if you if there's a foul. That leads yeah. to a finish. You can call. You can call for a replay on a fight-ending oh. sequence. The referee can call on a on a replay. Is that the so only like one of the only instances where you could use instant replay? Um, in MMA, there's that. That's yeah, the main one. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe maybe wrestling should should think about that. 
1258 drew gets the win and he smiles on his way to the back as uh, zane sells the groin shot i, I kind of like the, the the finish it's like it's in line with this drew character that's like I, yeah. I didn't it wasn't a foul it wasn't intentional it's it like what they've been doing with, with, with roman for a while with like the kick out with the forearm into the groin yeah right although with roman i, I the, the more that is far, yeah far more intentional but it was a very interesting way to essentially kind of um I, you know, maintain sort of the integrity of this heel Drew McIntyre character. I mean, he he continues to exist in this sort of gray area, very much a heel, of course, but he's still somebody who I think has a, a nobility about him where he doesn't cheat to win and he will tell the truth. It's just he's he's a real asshole about it all, you know, and that's why we hate him. So uh, he did not. Maybe cheat. He's the guy that should be uh, feuding with our truth why because that's his gimmick he's tells the truth oh yes it's yeah. late it's really late um i'll just say this for how many times we see um you know just blatant making the ref look dumb i thought this was actually one where it was like plausible that the referee um would like let this go that this was it was an accidental groin shot and in the moment you wouldn't call for the dq like it wasn't an offensive maneuver that he that he mm-hmm. did and i i thought like they did semi protect the referee here that you could at least buy that like in the heat of the moment that he let the action continue yeah totally uh, i like the finish yeah so that was uh the episode of raw i would say like uh wrestling wise the tag title match and gunther kofi kingston i i enjoyed quite a bit the big thing on the show was the punk news um i thought drew was excellent on this show like really strong stuff from him and like the cody seth uh like at the very least you do have now questions about this this direction for wrestlemania and where things are going to to land and questions about who will be part of the various title matches i i found that the most interesting you know throughout the show was just sort of like how what the domino effect of a cm punk injury may may cause to the main events of uh, wrestlemania what it might cause for a cody versus roman reigns match i mean i can't believe we're even talking about it but they're at least teasing the possibility that we might be getting seth versus cody instead of um roman versus cody so uh, whether or not it's a, it's 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 just a tease or or a misdirection or if it's something they're actually planning, I at least find this story worth engaging in, and um, I I find it pretty interesting. Uh, one thing I I skipped over during the news that I just wanted to include was um, Nicole and Bree Garcia, the former uh, Bella Twins, did put out a statement about the uh, the lawsuit last week, which of course, one of the defendants is their stepfather, John Laurinaitis and their statement reads, we are shocked and disheartened with the recent allegations against members of the WWE. It has been a lot to process as we found this found out this past week, just as you all did. This is something we don't stand for or condone from anyone, no matter who they are. We want all women to feel safe and supported in the workplace and in their everyday lives. Um, they're in a horrible position. Um, mm-hmm that obviously they felt the need that they had to put out a statement, which is, I mean, it is something that now that we are so many days removed from it, like how many people in the industry have you seen just comment on this? Like very, very few. Ronda Rousey. Lance Lance Evers, uh, Ronda Rousey, um, the Bellas. Um, Mm. Like it does really. The the Garcias, I should say, uh, officially. Um, like it it does kind of tell you that there still is sort of that 
that mentality, whatever it is, I can't speak for people, but when something like this and there's just so few that can just come out and, you know, be, you know, just like put out a statement like this for, for, for instance, um, I'm not saying yeah. everyone has to put out a press release, but um, you know, you, you, you well, have not I, seen a whole lot of um, comment from people in the industry. Well, I wonder if, if the Garcias would have felt the pressure to, to do this if it wasn't involving a member of their family, you know, their, their, their stepfather. I, I, I bet they don't, but I'm sure they are being, um, I can't imagine what they are being inundated with. Um, mm-hmm. And oh, the yeah. fact that they have to make it very clear that they heard about that, like granted, of course we have known John Laurinaitis was attached to um, th- these allegations going back to 2022, but you know, when they are coming out there, I'm sure they're receiving tons of vitriol from people just because of the, the the connection in the family. Oh man. It's, it's, it's pretty awful, especially like when there's like so much that their children are attached to Um, in scenes of involving John Laurinaitis, obviously from, uh, you know, the reality show, but also just even on their own social media and, and people using these things against them. It's the fucking most low thing you could do to somebody um and you know let's let's not uh forget their spouses too you know that i i i'm sure you know might might be on the receiving end of, of some of that uh but they needed to make a statement i think you know they needed to maybe well at least just to kind of answer a lot of the public's you know sort of like curiosity that nobody has to do anything but i think it was a good look for them to say something and to condemn this first of all um, does they don't specifically mention John Lord Nidus by name? Um, specifically, I think in, in uh, they are they say against members of the WWE. So mm-hmm. take that for what you will. Um, but yeah, this this did get get some attention on Monday. We'll end things off with uh, any of your super chats, and we have a few pieces of feedback to get to. Yeah, let's get to some of your super chats. We first of all go to Pete from Texas who sends five dollars to say, Do you see anybody asking Ari Emanuel Ari Ari Emanuel any tough questions seeing that he was Vince's agent and kept him on board knowing he had all these NDAs? Well, I I don't know how many um you know Ari Emanuel's like public interviews are I won't say they're rare. I mean, he does the occasional like conference here and there. Um, it's it's absolutely a fair question, especially for someone that has been very vocal uh, re- regarding CAA and its attachment to Harvey Weinstein. Uh, like that clip has circulated over the past week. I think it's only fair. I mean, it was it was called out at, at the time of, you know, that he was getting involved with a Vince McMahon when uh, past all these, you know, uh, NDAs, the knowledge of them had been public. There's questions for um, the very top of TKO. Like you were doing your due diligence throughout this time. Like what were you uh, privy to? I I want to know more about this independent investigation and what were what were the contents of it? I mean, you had the former board member Jeffrey Speed stating there was outreach to Janelle Grant and her lawyers. Well, you need to give us some more um, definition of what outreach consisted of. And how much of this investigation centered around the specifics of what went on versus just the the monetary uh, assignments of these NDAs? And was this just strictly about the money that we were investigating and didn't go any further um, when you see like – like if they were just finding all of this out now, like 
what was the findings of this investigation that was done independently? And how would how would any of us know the answers to those questions? In, in what sort of setting would would we know? Like just an, another you interview may, with Jeffrey Speed? You may have shareholders that are going to demand answers because if hmm. this has a detrimental effect to, to the company's finances, um, it's going to be questioned. Like you told us that there was an independent investigation and you spent company funds, a lot of company funds to execute this this investigation and what was found like what was your fiduciary duty to us as shareholders um in terms of disclosing like the contents and the findings of this how was vince mcmahon allowed to come back on like we know how vince mcmahon was allowed to come back onto this board but it is going to demand more scrutiny about all of this now that like as i said in my article today like we have moved past where it was just these vague terms like they were not nice like descriptions but we went from you know inappropriate relationship uh to hush money payments well now we have the very specific allegations and they're a lot uglier when you go deeper and and have the actual allegations spelled out that um that that you're not sanitizing so um we've had one tko um uh, investors call right Yes, so far. And the second how, one is in about a month. And and in, in terms of, I guess, line of questioning, uh, how, how different are, were they from the WWE ones? And and all I'm trying to ask is, do you think we'll get that sort of specific, specificity when it comes to WWE spending um, at the next call? From I, I don't calls? expect this kind of stuff to be... I mean, there may be some broad questions about it. Um, anything, I would say, extremely probing or... I just don't think the earnings call like that is not going to be the the clientele that is going to be probing the company. I mean, they're going to be looking at specifics on, you know, your your, your short, long range plans. And Netflix. I mean, it, it will depend. Like, we, we don't know how much um, like if there is more to come, like what kind of attention will this lawsuit get? Like, mm. like this three weeks from now, like the news cycle does move on unfortunately no matter how serious things are that's just the way things are and like this does feel like a pretty hot button issue at, at the moment but will it stay that way um and how pressing will will things be but you do have as long as this case is ongoing that is going to be something that is going to be you know uh, of note and if if you move and we're talking like a discovery process like that could be very ugly Thank you very much, Pete in Texas. Also, thank you, Pete, for getting that hat, the yeah. post-wrestling hat. Yes. Some news to come on Wednesday regarding post-wrestling merchandise. So there's a bit of a teaser. Stay tuned for that. When Wednesday, big announcement. Huge announcement. Oh, man. Wayne King has an announcement. Okay. Matthew Yanes sends a super chat. We're not done here. We have a lot of support, John. Matthew Yanes sends $5 to say thank you for your coverage of the McMahon lawsuit. He asked, does this lawsuit affect AEW? No, no, it wouldn't. It would not. Yeah, I, I think even on a business level, like, I mean, all of WWE's deals are pretty much settled, right? So it's not like uh, they're losing maybe like uh, co competitors um, that AEW could come in and, 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 you know, replace. It's 
yeah, maybe maybe there's a bigger discussion to be had about like I don't know fandom and people getting turned off of WWE moving to AEW. But I, even that, I don't really think is much we could talk about. But thank you, Matthew. Let's go up next to Nice Salmon who sends five dollars. If not for McMahon, the connection between Hulk Hogan, the Church of Scientology, and the City of Clearwater ads would have been explored more. Um, I'm not sure what that means. I mean, it's, um, I, I don't think it really would be. I mean, Hulk Hogan is like, I think his, his wife is like attached to Scientology. And I mean, what does that have to do with, with Vince? Yeah. Like I just, I, I don't think people would have been probing, you know, Hulk Hogan being used for tourism spots on, on the Royal Rumble to sidebar into like Scientology in, involvement. I just, I mean, hmm. it's. But okay. maybe Nice Salmons can do an investigative deep dive into uh, into the link. Last right. one here from Dave Grenier, who sends 279 just to support. Thank you very much, Dave. Okay, let's move on to Alex, who writes, albeit under not ideal circumstances, this was the first promo from Punk's current run that actually resonated with me. I left feedback on the night of his first promo and called this the beginning of Punk's Vegas residency. I felt that he was back to having to have fun and make money. I can accept those simplistic motivations considering his whirlwind of an exit from AEW, but I demand more from Punk. I demand to continue standing for things that he believes in. I want to see the same guy that advocates for reproductive rights than visiting certain st- U.S. states. I want to see the same guy that holds utter contempt, justifiably or otherwise, for those that he believes have wronged him. The line between punk the performer and punk the person did not truly exist, and that was by Phil's design. Now when I hear him say things like being in the main event of WrestleMania is his childhood dream, it comes off as, at best, decade-old aspirations and, at worst, boilerplate babyface posturing. But when punk talks about keeping his injury in perspective, talking about the real struggles of real people in his life, I light up inside. He may be in his mid-40s and in a different headspace, but I was relieved to discover that, yes, punk still stands for something. Interesting. Um, I wouldn't say that like him talking about main eventing WrestleMania is boilerplate babyface posturing. I mean, it was mentioned in the Cole Cabana podcast, pretty like in a like discussed in a pretty major way. It's it's absolutely the man's dream. Like that has been his definition of success or failure by his ability to achieve that on his on his list. Mm-hmm. Uh. Let's go to Manny from Pacoima, who says, very strong promo from CM Punk. The older I get, the more easier it is for me to start tearing up, which is exactly what I was doing during the mention of Punk's friend. But then chill started when the blue-collar man, Phil Brooks, started speaking passionately. The tag title match was also very good. I bid on every near fall in that match. Triple A announced the new Taurus will debut on February 18th, and a new generation begins as Blue Demon 3 makes their debut in next March. A big shout out to every post member who spoke about the recent lawsuit and everyone on the site who covered it. I hope you all took the time to take a bit of a breather and take care of your mental health while working hard during this crazy week. Thank we you. Always Manny. appreciate Manny from Pacoima. All right. And from uh, Annie here, the best TV show of the year. The middling first promo aside, Punk has hit it out of the park on every occasion. The fact that he's the epicenter of the most compelling content whenever he goes makes him the best wrestler of his generation. If you value, value emotional stakes and drama over feats of athleticism. I had a massive gripe with the Seth Cody promo, which was intelligence insulting filler at best or character destroying if Cody picks Seth. This disparity between Reigns cheating, people like Seth calling him out and the commentators pretending he's 98 Goldberg is also jarring. Am I just supposed to take Cole at face value in this tell don't show method of telling stories. Um, so I guess his argument here is that they okay. are, that, that this is doing too much to devalue Roman reigns. 
uh, what do you mean? What what's devaluing him? The promo with 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 Seth. He's oh okay okay. Um, uh, I I I don't think so because I think there's a re- very real world credibility to Roman Reigns' championship run. I mean, the fact that they, no matter what what the activity level is. Um, the fact that like he's he's still held onto the championship and is seen at least you know symbolically as the the head of this company for three years I, it is completely unprecedented and and I I don't think like would, no matter what a rival champion would say will change that um, but you expect a rival champion to to talk down on on the other championship and talk his championship up I just kind of saw it as competitive trash talk and not necessarily something that in my opinion, devalued. Yeah, I think your your mileage will vary, but I think they almost now it is like here is the the ruling tyrant that is like untouchable, that he has been in this position for so long that it has just become um like who can knock this this guy off that he is um like this um like this overlord in WWE that nobody can unseat this this power from. Did people talk this way about Bruno? Um, back back in the day, I wonder. We don't this talk tyrant. What? Nothing. <laughs> some some might have got it. I don't know. All right, last um, one is uh, Muggin here. All right, Muggin says for somebody who famously said that luck is for losers, Punk sure has had the worst luck staying healthy. That notwithstanding, the promo was strong and it gave Drew the heel he he needed. And Punk has a built-in program for when he's healthy. It looked like a surefire bet that Cody was going to pick Roman, but Seth made a compelling case for why he should pick him instead. Bailey was going to make her choice, but Nia Jax happened. Friday better have an answer. Kofi. Gunther and DIY Judgment Day had the goods. WWE is in buying time mode with Punk's injury. 86ing what could have been a killer main event for night one and reeling from a turbulent weekend. Side note, I like how the GMs are acquiring talent. The Braun name drop means that Vengeance Day will be his swan song. Okay. Uh, there is one more here from Dave, so let's do this last one. Do you think the timing of the Netflix deal announcement occurred because TKO knew that the Vince lawsuit was coming imminently? It feels too coincidental that everything happened just days apart and feels like PR spin 101 to flood the zone with other major news to confuse the average media consumer and give the likes of Triple H something amazing to talk about instead of the damaging Vince news. Your thoughts on this? No, I do not. I think that it's um, it's it's a conspiracy that you can dive into, but no, I I don't think they had any idea the Vince lawsuit was dropping uh, two days later. And I think that it is, um, I mean, as, as we have made more sense to break the news after this lawsuit dropped, it would be, it it would maybe be the, the better play if you were lining up Mm. all this to take people's attention off of it. I guess so. I guess that would make Netflix look even worse. And I mean, I just like uh, somebody brought up a, a great point about how, I don't think you would have had Dwayne Johnson or Nick Khan publicly talking up Vince McMahon in the media days before this dropping, no. if they knew that this was going to be dropped. No, I, I legitimately don't. When, when Paul Levesque and Cody Rhodes state that like this was dropping in real time for them, I, I don't doubt that. Um, now, now Paul Levesque was a board member. It's like he, I'm sure, had, um, you know, I, I but what he, what he was privy to, uh, we don't know, but the actual lawsuit dropping, and I'm sure the contents of it was uh, was fresh to many people that even if they were aware of the allegations, um, 
not would, would have not known the all those specifics that were listed in there. So yeah, to, to answer your question, no, I don't think. And it's yeah, like you had Nick Khan literally on Pat McAfee and they're waxing poetic about Vince McMahon um, days before this. So, I mean, quite, quite frankly, um, I don't think they would have had Vince McMahon front and center there at the New York stock exchange um, yeah. on top of it uh, last, last Tuesday. So to answer your question, no, I don't think that was the case, Dave, but thank you anyway. Okay. We are all uh, caught up to date now on all the news, all the happenings at raw. We are back later on this week. So the MMA prediction show dropping on Tuesday, Wednesday, we've got Pollock and Thurston as well as rewind to dynamite. And then Thursday post wrestling It is rewind away. Number 149. We're going to raw at the air Canada center, September of 2001. Tune in, find out what was going on that week in history. And then a show review from myself and Mr. Waiting. Um, was the what chant a thing back then? Yes, yet? it was just kicking off at this time. This was the birth yes. of the what chant was Ooh. period. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Monumental. This is when it was fresh. Yeah. Can you believe we're we're almost going to be at like we're almost at like twenty, 20 years of what chant? Twenty plus years at the at this point. We're at like oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's still okay. it's still still staying strong. I think years. it'll outlive all of us. It. I think I think it will 100. Mm-hmm. It. You know what? Maybe it'll get to a point one day where it's like kids who grew up in this era to become wrestlers. Like that's going to be like this honorary thing. You get the what chant, and it's going to be treated as like the sign of my respect. first what chant. Yeah, my that's going to be the new, yeah. That'll be, be the like... new WrestleMania moment. My first what moment? Yes. With the universe. Okay, that's it for us. We're checking out. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll speak with you later this week.